Do you have to teach little kids to lie? That little two or three year old, did you take the candy? No, mama, I didn't take the candy. They're lying to you. Who taught them how to lie? You don't have to be taught how to lie. You grow up knowing how to lie, right? You have to be taught to tell what? The truth. Anybody have a mom that did what my mom did? It was part of the Dr. Spock generation or something. If I lied or said naughty words, what did my mom do? Yeah, you'd wash my mouth out with soap. We're going to clean that dirt out of there. Now you'd go, you know, you'd be arrested by child welfare. But in those days, (laughs) just a little drop of soap on the tongue. You didn't put the whole bar and make them eat it, you know, just, and then it tasted terrible. So you're going to have a dirty mouth. I'm going to clean it up. That's an extreme example, but did that happen to you, Steve? Yeah, Steve's nodding his head. The whole bar. Oh, boy. But that's, that's how it is with lies and those types of things that come out of the mouth. But where do lies come from? I mean, we don't have to be taught to lie. We just naturally lie. We have to be taught to tell the truth. Jesus tells us where lies come from. He was talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were lying about him. And he said, you guys know what? He said, you belong to your father, the devil. Ooh. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Where do lies come from? The devil. He's a father of lies. That's his native language. He never speaks the truth. His language is lies. Why do we listen to him? It's all lies. Right from the pit of hell comes this whole thing to lie. What did he do to Adam and Eve in the garden? He, what did he do to them? He what? He lied to them. And they believed the lie. And we're all here now because of that, right? Jesus had to come and die to redeem us so we can get back to the truth. This whole thing of lying is, is something that is in our old nature that God wants to remove. In fact, it says the people that in the book of Romans who missed out on God, here's why they missed out on God. They exchanged the truth about God for a what? A lie. And they worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They exchange the truth of God. There's a God that's creator. He loves you. He died on the cross. You. He rose again. He offers you forgiveness and eternal life. That's a lie. I'm going to serve the mountains and the trees. I'm going to serve myself. Serve anything but God. And that lie is fostered by the devil. The truth is there's creator. The truth is he does love you. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the Bible tells you and I as his followers to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. That's what our community of believers, that's what the followers of Christ are about, speaking the truth in love. It doesn't mean we always agree, but when we disagree, I speak the truth to you, I do it in love. That early church, they loved one another. One thing they did is they spoke the truth in love. In fact, if you read in Revelations, it talks about those who miss out on God end up in the lake of fire, and one of the group are liars. People that perpetually lie. 
People that have believed the lie. Lying's a big deal. That's why when our kids lie to us right away, we say, Johnny, you got to tell the truth. The Bible is about truth. Jesus said, if you continue my word, you know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. The world has bought into the lie. And the lie is sucking them down. And as believers and followers of Christ, never let lies or lying be part of our vocabulary. Those are the areas we struggle with because we have a term. We call them little what? Little white. What's a little white lie? Come on. A, a lie is a lie, right? Or just this one time I'm going to, you know, because, you know, it's better if I do it. And so continually we have to be on guard for that. How about this one? Gossip and gossiping. No problem. I wouldn't skip this one, right? This is a huge one. The Bible says, you know, I started looking up at the Bible. I was to say about gossip and gossiping and all these verses appeared on my screen. I thought, you know, maybe a couple. But listen what the Bible has to say about gossip and gossiping. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Anybody ever come up to you and say, I've got a juicy bit of gossip here. That's what he's saying, a juicy bit of gossip. And there's something this, yeah, I want want to hear that. Don't hear it. I don't want to hear your juicy bit of gossip because gossip separates friends. Gossiping is destructive. And the Bible said that a perverse person serves with conflict. Gossip separates close friends. You ever lose a friend because of some gossip that someone said they said about you, you said about them, and they're not talking to you now? And hopefully you work through and you realize what they said wasn't true, and I really do care about you. Gossip is destructive. The Bible tells us so. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. (laughs) If they're always coming and talking to you and have that juicy bit of gossip, avoid them. We did a play years ago called The Music Man and Renee was in the play and there's one scene where all the ladies got together and they were gossiping and there's a little song, peck a little, pick a little, peck, 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 peck a little, pick a little, peck, peck, peck. And that's what it was, they're just pecking on each other, peck a little. I can't do the song, but those are the words. (laughs) I think that was all the words, peck a little, pick a little. And that's what really what gossip's all about. Without a wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, quarrel dies down. Take wood off the fire, it goes out. Take gossip out of the situation, and what happens to the quarrel? It dies down. What does gossip do to a situation? It fuels it. It turns it into flames. Gossip is destructive. And there's something in us that wants to do it, isn't there? Because I know something Brett doesn't know Come here, I want to tell you that, buddy. Did you know? You know? What is it? And then now he knows it, and he passes it over to Steve, but Steve doesn't get it right, and by the time it gets all the way around to Ryan, it's, oh, man, can you believe? And it started out that small. Anybody play that game, you know, with kids? You say something, go around the room, by the time it gets to the end, it's nothing like it was. That's what gossip will do. Ever been in a church where people gossip about each other? And pretty soon everybody's won't sit next to anybody because they heard about somebody. Stay away from gossip. Run away from it. I don't like to gossip, but 
That's how we justify, right? Brother, I don't like to gossip, but you really need to know this, buddy. I got to get it. It's a juicy one. I, I found these the little uh, things about gossip. I like them. Oh, let me tell you, the Bible takes gossip seriously. This is all the people that are going to miss out on, uh, on God. And here's, here's some of the reasons. They become filled with every kind of wickedness and evil, greed and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. What gossips are right there with murderers, strife, deceitful, depraved, evil, greedy, wicked. And then there is that category called gossips. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Or they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do those things, but also approve of those who practice them. And gossips? Come on, gossip can't be that bad. Gossip is that bad. Destroys. And it's in that list. Here's some posters I found. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss small minds. No, average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. Eleanor Roosevelt. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. Here's one. If they gossip about everyone to you, then they are gossiping about you too. And I love this last one. Here's, here's a way to prevent gossip. If you didn't hear it with your own ears or see it with your own eyes, don't invent it with your small mind and share it with your big mouth. <laughs> right? Don't pass it on. You know, gossip can stop with you. It can stop with you. Gossiping. Unkind words. Anybody ever say an unkind word? We live in the social media age. We do a lot of social media training in schools, you know, telling kids not to use it wrong, not to bully. But a few months ago, maybe it's been a little longer, there's a young 12, 13-year-old girl who took her life because her friends went on social media and said unkind words. That's tragic. A little girl to be so hurt by the words of her friends that they put out there in social media that she takes her life at 12 or 13. Unkind words, words hurt. They could have hit her with sticks and and bones and she could have took that, but the words destroyed, especially at that age where you're trying to discover who you are and your friends speak unkind things. In the Band of Brothers, we went through a deal uh, on becoming a man and, and one of the men in that video we watched his dad had died in the war and he had a stepdad and his stepdad uh, wasn't very kind to him. He used unkind words and he'd say to his stepson and he, and he was telling us, he still remembered it. He'd say, you're nothing but a seagull. All you do is squawk and make messes. And the kid took that to heart and it hurt him all those years even as a man, he said, my stepdad told me I'm nothing but a seagull. I just squawk and make messes. Unkind words can hurt so bad. And some of you have had unkind words spoken to you by parents, by friends, and they do go down deep. But remember, God has the final word. And you are his workmanship. You are special. 
you are somebody in Christ, no matter what unkind words some man may have ever said to you. And the guy that his dad said was a, wing, a seagull, he's flying with the wings of eagles serving the Lord today. So don't let the unkind words destroy you. Listen to the words of truth from the Father. Unkind words. The Bible says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. With the same mouth, we praise God and we curse a person. It should not be. Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear oranges? Can fresh water spring be salt water? No. There's got to be a consistency between our life and our words. Somebody said, I can't hear what you're saying because what you are is thundering so loud. We have to be a follower of Christ. And as we are a follower of Christ, then the words we speak will make an impact. But if our lives and words don't match, if we our lives we say we're a follower of Christ and our words are unkind, our words are tearing down, the person says, I see you and I hear you and what I'm hearing isn't what you're saying. And there's that conflict. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Lies, gossip, unkind words. Proverbs says this about words. Pleasant words are honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Anybody ever eat honeycomb? They used to sell it like candy. And you you just ate the honey out of the honeycomb. Kind words are like that, aren't they? You speak a word of kindness to somebody, you're going through the checkout line and that person's just frazzled and you say a kind word. You ever notice it just brightens them up? Or you're at work, someone's having a tough day and it's just a kind word. In fact, Mother Teresa said this, but I can't read it anymore. I have to go right up here. (laughs) Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. You never know what a kind word's going to do to make somebody's day. Anybody have a, somebody speak a kind word to you when you were down and, and it kept you going? Kind words. So we, you know, gossip, lying, unkind words. What are we going to do? How are we going to tame the tongue? It says no man can tame the tongue. No woman can tame the tongue. So we're out of luck. We're just going to have a tongue that's out of control. No, the Bible tells us how to tame the tongue and it takes God working through us because I can't do it on my own and neither can you. Some ways, put good stuff in. This is a powerful verse. A good man out of good treasure of his heart brings forth what? Good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth what? Evil. For out of the abundance of your heart you speak. If you've got good stuff going in when it's time to speak, good stuff's going to come out. If you've got garbage going in when it's time to speak, what's going to come out? Garbage. I remember years ago hearing a man, his last name was Williams, I believe. He spoke over at his place before it was his place. It was like the full gospel businessman gathering, and this guy came to tell his story. He was in the worst aviation disaster in the history of aviation. Anybody remember that one? 1977, some of you weren't alive. I think it was 77, it was in the 70s. 580, I got it right here, 
583 people died. Only 61 survived. He was one of the 61. What happened, it was foggy. Planes had been diverted to a little island off of Spain. A 747 sitting on the runway. Another 747's taken off in the fog. Controller couldn't see, and that's what happened. 747 hitting 747. Everybody in the top plane died. Everybody in the bottom plane died except for 61. He was one of the 61. And he said what happened, he was sitting there, and all of a sudden, boom, and, you know, just huge explosion, a ball of fire is coming down right through the center of the plane. People are literally dying around him, being burned. And he said the first thing that came out of his mouth was, Jesus, help me. And then a scripture came to mind, and he began to say that scripture. Fire all around him, people dying around him. And he looked up, there was a hole in the ceiling, and he doesn't remember how, but he got out through that hole, got out the wing, and got out and survived. But he said, the thing that, that I remember the most is the fact that right when I was about to die, what came out of my mouth was Jesus. Help me. And it was scripture. But he said, all around me, I heard people cursing God. I heard people screaming out and, and cursing. And he, he said, I didn't understand. I thought everybody at the moment of death would cry out to God. So he did a study. And in his study, he, he found tapes of, of pilots who were ready to crash. You know, they have the black box. And they said, some of the pilots as they're going in, know they're going to die. They're cursing and they're hating, cursing God or just cursing. And others are, Jesus, Lord, receive me in your presence. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and they discovered this, <clears throat> that when you're at those moments where something happens so quick, you don't have time to think, what comes out is what's in your heart. What comes out is what's in your heart. I remember one time I never had a, a near-death experience like that, but I was driving down this hill, coming to a road. There was a stop sign. The road had cars going 50 miles an hour on it. I hit the ice. I started to slide, and I knew I was going to slide right out in the intersection with the potential of being hit by a 50-mile-an-hour car going by. And it happened so quick. And all I could say was, Jesus! And the car stopped at the stop sign. And I said, why did I say Jesus? Because at that moment, your subconscious takes over. And what was in my subconscious was Jesus. I wish I could say that's always what comes out in those slight moments or something happens. Sometimes something else comes out and there's still some work going on, right? But at that moment where I really thought it could be tragic, out came Jesus. So what is in your heart is so important. And what you put in there, you guys know this. What does that little symbol stand for? Garbage in, garbage out. We got to feed ourselves good stuff. There's plenty of garbage out there if you're a garbage collector. I mean, it's out there. What's some of the good stuff? Put the word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Put prayer. Put praise and worship. You know, if, if, if there's any, any virtue or any praise, I think on those things that are good. And as you think, and when you turn on that tube, 
Think about what's coming in. When you go on that internet, think about what's coming in because what comes in is going to come out. So fill yourself up with God and godly things and good things so when you come to that moment and you're sliding on the ice, the first thing that comes out is Jesus. Because out of the abundance of a man's heart or woman's heart, they speak. What's in your heart's going to come out? Respond, not react. It's important. Before I show you this video clip, um, years ago I remember seeing a, uh, a little cartoon about Goofy. And he's a really happy guy, really nice going guy until he gets behind the wheel. I have a friend like that, our lead guitar player, Dan. He's pretty much laid back. But he gets behind the wheel, he's, and I said, wait, you know, we can't be two people, right? We've got to, when we're behind the wheel, still remember that we're to speak kind words, even though it's hard. And so here's a little goofy clip to kind of show you how we, in certain situations, can let our tongue do something we don't want it to do. Maybe. I tried to trim the first half, but I couldn't figure it out, so you gotta watch it. I'm gonna turn the lights. The motor car in the hands of the average man is rapidly facing extinction. Truly, the average man is a creature of strange and unorthodox habits. Take the case of Mr. Walker. Mr. Walker lives in a quiet, respectable neighborhood. He is a typical average man, considered a good citizen and of average intelligence. He is a kindly man, courteous, punctual, and honest. Good morning, Mr. Walker. Good morning to you, Mr. Geef. Lovely day. Mr. Walker wouldn't hurt a fly, nor step on an ant. He believes in live and let live. Mr. Walker owns a motor car and considers himself a good driver. But once behind the wheel, a strange phenomenon takes place. Mr. Walker is charged with an overwhelming sense of power. His whole personality changes. Abruptly, he becomes an uncontrollable monster, a demon driver. Mr. Walker is now Mr. Wheeler, a motor. Hey, Chief, watch where you're going, stupid. Hey, do you think you're on the hood road? Hmm. Of course I own the road. My taxes pay for them. I voted for road bonds. I paid for the roads. And I'll use them. Get off my road! Move over! Let it pass! 
let him wait. Anybody relate? <laughs> what happens? We have to learn to respond, not react. React is where somebody says something and you jump right back. Respond is where you, remember that old thing, count to 10 before you speak? Think before you speak? The challenge is not to react, but to respond. And what do we respond with? Let no corrupt words, bad words, unkind words come out of your mouth, but that which is good for edification, for building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Whatever we say should be good words, and not only that, it should build people up, and not only that, it should minister grace. So when I speak to Sherry, it should minister grace. What is grace? It means loving her like Jesus loves me. Unmerited favor, just good words that build up and minister grace. Even when someone cuts you off on the highway, it's still good words that build up, that minister grace, because out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. Always use a grace filter. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you could buy one of those things, put it around your mouth, and the only thing that comes out is grace words, right? Let your speech always be seasoned with Always be with grace, season with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. So here's what you can do. When you're tempted to use words that are unkind, put on your grace field and remember to speak words with grace, season with salt. What do you mean season with salt? Does that mean salty talk? You know, Navy talk? No. It means salt in those days was healing. Salt brought out the best. So seizing your speech with salt, that means make it something that is attractive, something that is healing. A soft answer turns away wrath. Ever notice that? Someone's all upset and you just quietly say, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, softly, and it just brings them down. They're up, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Can we talk about it? I'm sorry you feel that way. Get out of here. You know, there's a difference in there. A soft answer does turn away wrath, right? Harsh words stir up what? Anger. Here's another way to tame the heart. Let joy fill your heart. You know, the people who usually have unkind words are usually anger and bitter people. The people full of the joy of the Lord tend to speak words that are joyful. In fact, it says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit does what? Dries up the bones. You ever been around somebody with a crushed spirit? How are you? Beautiful day. There's nothing good to say because there's no, nothing, no joy in them. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. As we walk in the presence of the Lord, like we sang about this morning, as we take in the things of God and we realize we're forgiven, we're on our way to heaven, Jesus loves me, nothing can separate me from his love, and the joy begins to fill up when I go out into the world and somebody cuts me off. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. You know to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. If there's one thing that should mark Followers of Christ, it's joy. That doesn't mean everything's going good. You can be having a terrible day and still have joy. You know what? You can have a terrible day and still have joy. Because joy isn't based on the circumstances. It's based on the relationship. 
And finally, we can't, but God can. You cannot control your tongue. Today, I'm going to not say anything but kind words. I can, I can, I can. I won't, I won't, I won't. First thing that happens, I don't, I don't, I don't, right? But if you're a creation, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. As a new creation, he's given us a new heart. He's given us a new song to sing. He's given us this Holy Spirit, which we sang about this morning. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace. Those are the things we live in. Those are the things we speak because his Spirit is in us. And if his Spirit is in us and we're walking in relationship, these fruit come out. There's another kind of fruit. It's called human fruit or fruit fruit of the flesh. This is all sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, on and on and on. The way to tell how I tell how I'm doing, I like to do a fruit check. Am I bearing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, or am I bearing the fruit of the flesh? And the Bible says, as Christians, we shouldn't bear two kind of fruit or one kind of fruit tree. And that's a Jesus follower fruit tree that doesn't gossip, doesn't speak unkind or doesn't lie, whose no corrupt communication comes out of mouth, but that which is good to build people up and ministering grace to them. That's the challenge of the tongue. Put that grace filter on when you're tempted to say something and whatever passes through your lips out there need to be words of grace, words that build up, words that edify, and you can't do it on your own. So every day, Lord, help me to be like you. Help me to speak words that build people up. And each day, he will, but the flesh will try to take control in that moment where something jumps up what comes out reminds you that there's still stuff to do inside because after all, we're all what? Under construction. Amen?